This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, New Year, Carlson, världens bästa for joining us for another episode of the Keep It Carlson Fancy Hockey Podcast, the best fancy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Dylan Dabrowski. With me, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, the maestro of the matchup, the player projection pundit, the ad drop ace, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. It's really hard for you to lead that way because my initial thought is is no, I'm not. But for the for the purposes, for the sake of this show and our credibility, yes. I am, I am ready to go for another year, calendar year of fantasy hockey. Thanks for coming back with us. We missed you. Wait, so you're not the maestro of the matchup? Why not? How are you doing in your leagues? I guess, no, I feel like I'm doing okay in my leagues. It just, it's a lot to put on me. It's a lot of I mean, pressure I'm when he- you put those tags on. I feel like you're actually describing yourself secretly, like you're the ad drop ace. All right, well, well, we can discuss this later. We can have a whole Facebook thread maybe to discuss who's the ad drop ace of the two of us. But we've got so much to get to. We didn't do a show last week. So this episode is like more than two weeks in the making. I've been taking notes for so long. And then it was so hard to come up with what we could talk about in a limited amount of time. So we'd, I just put everything. And we're just going to try to get through as much as we can. Before we get into it, of course, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, which is the best fantasy hockey website out there. They've been going all through Christmas, all through New Year's, doesn't matter. You're getting articles every day discussing everything that's going on in fantasy hockey, the ramblings, a bunch of lists of rankings of different things. You've got starting goalies, line combinations. It's all there, everything you need, DauberHockey.com. Brian, you didn't ask me what I meant by New Year, New Me. Don't you want to know what, what my new resolution is for this year? Yeah, I'm dying to know. I'm not going to mispronounce any player names. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> Ever again. That is That is so impossible but i wish you all the best starting now okay so (laughs) let's start with some outjuries a lot of players have come back and then you know as we talk about these players have come back we'll talk about some other players on their team we'll get into some line combination stuff we're giving you a smorgasbord of information but okay we'll start with outjuries let's talk about ryan kessler he made a season debut for the ducks last week no points in his first two games. Then he had two assists versus Arizona on Sunday night. By the way, we're recording this on Tuesday at 8 p.m. So the Ducks are playing today. Uh, we won't be able to discuss that because it hasn't happened yet. But yeah, Kessler is going to play in his fourth game today. In total, in three games so far, six shots, 
three hits, five blocks, and those two assists in three games. So he's like doing everything, which is what's so great about Ryan Kessler. Last year, he had 58 points. He had 186 shots, so over two shots a game. He had 146 hits. That's almost 1.8 hits per game. He had 75 blocks as a forward. That's really good, almost one per game. So he's a real stud in multi-cat leagues. On Sunday, the last game he played on line two, same as last year with Cogliano and Silverberg, who's also on the top power play, just like last year with Getzlaff, Raquel, Silverberg, and Fowler. Everything looks the same as last year. Is there any reason to expect his numbers to be any different from last year now that he's back in, in the same position? Hopefully he's going to do this as well, right? Hopefully. And don't forget the face-offs that Ryan Kessler is going to offer you. He's already taken 42 and won 28 of them in the three games that he's played so far. So yeah, if your league counts peripherals, Ryan Kessler can be one of the best Swiss Army knives in your league. Even if he does only manage like a shade above a half point per game, his value exceeds that by several points based on how much he fills every other category. Am I expecting a change from Ryan Kessler's year last year? To be perfectly honest, he's been one of the guys I've been consistently wrong about in the last couple of years. I only got on board maybe halfway through last season. Uh, There was that time where he got super hot just about two years ago, right around this time, actually. And he busted out of the half point per game production. We'd seen it from him for the prior few years. And I said, "Uh, you know, I don't expect that he's turned a totally new leaf over. And there you have it. Somehow he has, uh, he hasn't cooled down since then. So yeah, I'm not betting against him right now. And there's not much reason to really, aside from the fact that he's another year older playing now in his age 33 season, but I am all for at least riding those peripherals. Like I said, 45 point pace, still gravy based on what he gives you everywhere else. I am all for Kessler all the more so, so that you have an opportunity to open a show with Kessler, which was the obvious one. And you passed it up to tell everybody about new, your new year's resolution which is very important but i'm hoping he he allows you that opportunity later down the road because it's a really easy one okay well we'll wait and see if kessler continues to do something that is noteworthy we'll bring him up on the show later and maybe i'll do it then okay since we're on the ducks cory perry is still out the rest of the team is looking pretty healthy though they ran a first line yesterday of getzlaff raquel and antoine vermette andre cachet was actually on that top line for a couple of games but seems to have been bumped for vermette so first, let's shout out Getzoff and Raquel, who have both been amazing since coming back from their injuries. Getzoff has 13 points in his 10 games since returning. Raquel has 10 points in his last 10 as well. Obviously, Getzoff returning was great for Ricard Raquel, as we knew it would be. Raquel's also putting up two or three hits every game, so he's a huge bangers and mash stud himself. I'd rather have him than Kessler. Tell me if that's a crazy opinion. But anyways, what about Antoine Vermette? On this top line, he's the guy who might actually be available to people in free agency. He had one goal, two assists versus Arizona in his first game on that line. On Sunday, he also played 20 minutes and 36 seconds after being closer to 10 minutes in his previous three games. So it was a huge increase when he got that promotion. Seems to me like Vermette could be a really solid streamer for this week and for as long as he stays on this line with Gessoff and Raquel. I mean, is he any better than top line Kevin Roy, Derek Grant, or even Nick Ritchie or Andre Kasha? Maybe Vermette is by a little. It really helps, of course, that he gets to play with both Getzlaff and Raquel, whereas sometimes those other guys I just listed were playing with each other plus one of them. It's been a while, though, since Antoine Vermette has held his own in having any sustained measure of offensive success or driving play. So for now, I mean, we said okay for those other guys. So I'll say sure for Vermette. That top line is on fire, and he is your entry point into that because the other two guys are certainly gone in your format. But beyond that, I offer no endorsement for largely continued success. Like, I wonder how long it is before uh, Nick Ritchie ends up back in that spot. 
Oh, by the way, I'm being called out in the chat room. I've already mispronounced the name. Okay, starting now, I guess it's Andre Kasha. What did I say? Kasha? Close enough. Give me a break, guys. But yeah, Vermette, I mean, that's the thing. These other guys, like you mentioned, weren't playing, I don't think, with Getzlaff and Raquel on that top line. So that's such a good pair to be playing with right now. And also, when you say Vermette hasn't held his own offensively, like, who's he been playing with? He's been on, like, the third line all this time. So I'm curious to see what he can do there. But yeah, like you said, we'll see how long it even lasts. Also, by the way, Cam Fowler is finally heating up. He has four points in his last four games. He started slow after coming back from his injury. John Gibson is up to a 922 save percentage, and he's won four of his last five starts. This healthy Ducks team can be dangerous, in my opinion. I called it, like, a while back, maybe a month ago when gibson was in a little bit of a slump i said like just you know grab him for now because once the ducks are healthy i think this team could be really good and now we're seeing it we'll see how far they can take him i think he's a really good option in your leagues if you could somehow still buy low on john gibson i'd love to do that though you probably can't right now probably ryan miller's playing tonight anyway okay let's move on to another team another outry it's been so long since our last show that we never talked about mika zibanejad returning to the rangers and his story hasn't been as nice as the gets and the raquel's coming back from their injuries he's put up a grand total of zero points in his six games since return turning compare that to his 22 points in 25 games to start the year what happened it's like a different guy i guess that's maybe what happens when you come back from injury maybe is there something still wrong with him also things are not getting easier for zibanejad as this common left winger chris Kreider is out indefinitely with a blood clot in his right arm rick nash had taken Kreider's spot on line one in power play one with zibanejad and zuccarello and then buchnevich and shattenkirk were on the power play with them but it looks like according to today's practice lines, i had to update my notes as i was preparing for this show it looks like jt miller has bumped Rick Nash from both spots. We're seeing JT Miller, Zibanejad, and Zuccarello on line one and on the power play. Okay, a few questions for you with all of this in the Rangers. What's going on with Zibanejad, of course? Let's start there. As patron Jacob asks, is he now Zijana bad? Would you recommend people hold on to him or is it time to stream him out into free agency like if there's some de- not decent options like obviously if it's a deep league you're not going to drop a top line top power play guy just because he's something but say if there's guys like Dubois or Schmaltz who also are on their team's top lines and top power plays and actually producing is it time to consider swapping Zibanejad out or do you think he's going to bounce back eventually okay well first off another pronunciation correction Kevin Roy He's from Quebec. We've definitely had this conversation before. It's like green. I, I won't get too far into it. Okay. Um, I didn't say. I didn't say Kevin Roy. I did. Yeah, that was on me. Okay. Okay. I would never correct. No, of course I'd correct your pronunciation. Uh, Mika Zabanejad, not Zajanabad. But look at these contextual clues from before and after injury. Before the injury, Zabanejad was playing 18 minutes, picking up around two and a half shots per game. A little more than that, actually. Since coming back from injury just playing 15 minutes and getting two shots per game. So his rate sets have stayed like reasonably okay, but of course you're playing three fewer minutes, not going to be all that helpful. Elon, you also already touched on the fact that Zibanejad's buddy Chris Kreider isn't around to play with him, and those two may work off each other a little better well, than Nash did in the same spot. And now that Nash isn't there anymore, there's some indication that hey, the Rangers know Zibanejad, things aren't going the way they want them to. So the lineup is very much still in flux as they try and figure out how to get the most out of Mika while also not having Kreider available to them. I'd definitely hold on to him. I'm not looking at streaming him at it all because he's still in a great spot and is legitimately talented. 60 points is still a good target for him to hit. Um, So yeah, like Schmaltz and Dubois, certainly some higher end streaming options if they're out there in your format but still not interesting enough to me to want more than Zibanejad. Okay, so I guess we'll have to keep track of Zibanejad, see if he 
breaks out of this slump at some point. JT Miller, though, by the way, he's looking pretty good because he might be in free agency in a lot of leagues. And I think if you could get a top-line, top-power play guy out of free agency in a deeper league, you want to take a look at JT Miller. He's on the top-line, top-power play now. There's my dog barking. And also with his goal and assist yesterday, he has a very respectable 27 points in 39 games on the season. That's a 57-point pace. So JT Miller's already been really good, and now he's in the best spot he's been all year. So I think people should go and grab him, right? Yeah, you know, JT Miller has been doing his thing pretty quietly for a while now. We endorsed him, what was it, halfway through last year, someone who was actually keeping up with a a surprise breakout season. And he was already worth at least streaming in for extra games in most leagues. And in his current place in the lineup, he's absolutely very addable, especially if you were the type who made a play for someone like Pavel Buchnevich earlier in the season. Yeah, I had JT Miller available to me in my Cupful Keep It Carl's Ultimate Patron Fantasy League Division Tier 2, I might add. Anyway, I had him available throughout the season. I've been sort of streaming him on and off of my team. And then just now, as he becomes a top-line, top-power play guy, happens to be a time when he's off my team and someone else has streamed him. Good job to my opponent. I wish that uh, I had that luck. Anyway, speaking of slumping Rangers, throw Kevin Jankirk on the list. He had a power play assist yesterday in overtime, which is great, but that broke a five-game pointless streak. He only has six points in his last 21 games. He also had an amazing start to the year, but he's slipping big time right now. Are you expecting a bounce back for Kevin Shattenkirk or should his owners start lowering their expectations? I realize this is a ridiculous question, Elon, but can you remind me, like, where were we disagreeing on Shattenkirk going into the season? Did I say he'd improve the Rangers power play and be able to continue like his usual pace? And you said it'd be harder for him to cash in. Uh, on power play points in New York and that St. Louis was like, maybe they were more responsible for helping him look elite than I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much said it, but from okay. what I recall, when we had our argument. You said, you think basically Shattenkirk's going to be just as good as he was the last few years. He'd get the same number of points. And I said, I don't know, maybe the Rangers power play is going to be harder to get points because he's not going to be playing with Tarasenko. Right. Okay. And so far, that argument is at a push because he's still on pace for 48 points, which would be his third best mark in the last five years. So not quite peak Shattenkirk, but still good Shattenkirk is what we're seeing in New York. And I think if he's going to bridge that gap from good to peak, he's going to need some more shooting success on the power play. The last four years, Kevin Shattenkirk was shooting between 10 and 18% while he was on the ice with the men advantage, scoring between four and eight goals on the power play each year. This year as a Ranger, he's shooting barely 6%, which is a a significant drop-off. Curiously, his personal and on-ice expected goal rates on the power play are higher than before, and he still does have two goals so far. So you double that the rest of the way, and he still stays good Shattenkirk. He'll need to outplay himself thus far to get to peak, though, and I still think he can do it. Like, I know he's been on a rough streak, but if you look at his pace for the full season, this is about where we'd expect him to be. So it's been a rough patch, but not changing my outlook on him as a guy who you can depend on to get close to 50 points. All right, so you're not concerned with Zibanej, you're not concerned with Shattenkirk. I wonder if there'll be anyone as we move forward that their slumps will actually be concerning you. Uh, okay, let's go to Boston now. Another outjury. David Krejci returned to the Bruins on Saturday after missing a couple of weeks, and lucky for him, he got to return against the worst team in the league, according to patron Brad Jay's thoughtful post on our Facebook group yesterday that rocked the world. He said he like worked through a bunch of teams and concluded the Ottawa Senators are the worst team in the NHL, and David Krejci got to return against them, and lucky for him he got two power play points a goal and an assist in that game along with five shots on goal 
So yeah, Krejci's in a good spot. Like it's hard to say if he's on line two or line three right now. His unit with Spooner and DeBrusque has some stiff competition with the Bacchus, Heinen, and Riley Nash line that continues to roll. Bacchus himself, he has 11 points in his last seven games. Danton Heinen has been rolling for a while. He's up to 26 points in 33 games on the season. And actually, I'm looking at today's scores currently. It's mid-game in Boston versus the Islanders. And Danton Heinen already has a goal and an assist. So he's keeping on rolling himself. Even Riley Nash has been getting in on the action lately. He was able to pot a couple against, of course, the Ottawa Senators. And he has five points in his last five games. But anyways, let's focus on Krejci versus Krejci's still the for sure top forward to own on Boston outside of the Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand top line? Or would you prefer one of these guys like Bacchus or Heinen over Krejci at this point? And is there any chance Bacchus and Heinen can keep their paces up to some extent? So I guess I'm just kind of curious to know your thoughts on these three guys, Krejci, Bacchus, and Heinen. Like, I'm always concerned about a guy like Krejci because he's on the second line, he's on the top power play, but he's David Krejci. Like, he has name value, but I don't really love his spot in the lineup. So is he really so much better than Bacchus and Heinen who are rolling big time right now? But Krejci's doing well himself. If there's one guy you can depend on most to keep up a fantasy-relevant-ish pace outside that Boston top line, it's probably still David Krejci. Dependability is not all, though, because his upside is still less than it has been in the past, which sure makes some of these dark horses you've mentioned enticing as ads instead of David Krejci. If you want to try and catch fire with them, David Backus is now up to four consecutive multi-point games, and Danton Heinen... Yeah, he's been incredible. I need to repeat his numbers. Just to make sure it got through to everyone. Heinen has 26 points in 33 games and an even better slice of that, 19 points in his last 21. Now, a bunch of those points have come as secondary points, seven of his last 11 to be precise, and he's shooting at 20% to get a chunk of his primaries too, but certainly deserves an audible pat on the back for what he's managed regardless. And this is sort of a continuation of what he'd started doing last year in the AHL. Heinen really broke out there and was a big part of Providence's Calder Cup run last year with 18 points in 17 playoff games. Without having gone so deep on these guys as a unit yet, I'd like to believe that Maybe there really is some legit value for you to find in your leagues amongst the nine other Bruins guys, not named Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak, that exceeds, at least in the short term, the limited upside that David Krejci offers you. I would want Heinen and Backus for sure in the short term. I would still be okay to drop them when they're cool, which means, of course, that you need to be measured and who you're letting go to add them. But they are all hot enough to own right now. Give all your streaming spots to them, just the way we did with Kevin Fiala, Craig Smith, and Kyle Torres a few weeks back. Yeah, though, we'll get to those guys. They've all slowed down. By the way, Brian, I'd be remiss not to point out Ryan Spooner, also, who gets great power play time, and he has three goals and seven assists in his last 11 games. So there's just, a, like you say, like a lot of great fantasy options on Boston right now. They're reminding me of Minnesota last year. Okay, next, Outjury. Let's go to Edmonton. Andre Sekera finally came back for the Oilers. He played his first few games of the season. Also, Oscar Clefbaum both went on IR and returned in our absence. So we've had only a couple of games of both Sekera and Clefbaum being in the lineup. And it appears that Sekera has been playing on the McDavid power play. So it's everything that the Clefbaum owners have been fearing seems to be coming true. But at the same time, you know, it's it's early. We have to see how things shake out. Only one assist in five games for Sekera and nothing on the power play. So I'd imagine this power play job is still very much 
up for grabs. Meanwhile, Clefbaum finally seems to be showing some signs of life. Maybe he just needs that competition to spark a fire under him. He has two assists in his last three games and 12 shots on goal in those last three games. So, Brian, what's your take on this Edmonton D situation at this point? Who would you rather have? Like, if Sekera is in free agency, does he need to be added at this point? He had 35 points last year for what it's worth. So I guess it's like two questions. First of all, forgetting about Clefbaum, do people need to add Sekera because he's potentially top-line power play on Edmonton? And also, Clefbaum versus Sekera, who would you rather if you could only have one? As for Sekera being on the top power play in Edmonton, that's a good reason to add anyone. Yeah, I mean, last year we were talking about Johan Ovitu, weren't we? Or was that? No, that was in New Jersey. Anyway, uh, getting back to Sekera, we're still waiting to see him get up to full speed. Last year, he averaged 22 minutes of ice time. uh, And once he gets back to there, uh, we can have a better take on the Edmonton defenseman situation on the whole. Sekera started low in his ice time, then was bumped up into the 20-minute range, but has been back down in the high teens again since then. So, yeah, I don't think we're seeing full deployment for him yet. Meanwhile, uh, in that time, he really hasn't offered a ton of value. One point, minus six, averaging a shot, couple blocks per game, and that's with time on that top unit. So for now, I would still prefer Clefbaum of the two and think Sekera remains a speculative ad if you want to see whether his point totals are going to blossom from holding on to that top unit spot and adding more peripherals from a slow rise in ice time. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I'd prefer Clefbaum for now, though it is concerning that Sekera's back, but also, I don't know, I'm going to go as a Clefbaum owner in a couple of leagues. I'm going to go with this idea that I'm happy that he has some competition to maybe spark him a bit. Anyways, okay, aside from on defense, of course, on the last episode, I pointed out that the Oilers line seemed to have finally stabilized, and yeah, they've been shaken up. So there goes anything I say. But yeah, on Sunday's game, Pat Maroon got back on line one with McDavid and Pugliarvi bumping Lucic, who fell to a line with Ryan Jude Hopkins and Ryan Strom. Dreisaitl was with Camilleri and Kajula. So we still have these like three lines, all with good players on Edmonton going for a top line worth, knowing that Edmonton lost 5 nothing to Winnipeg. So another shakeup could definitely be in order soon probably not worth even us digging into these Edmonton line combinations right now because it could all just change for next week. But let's just mention, of course, Pat Maroon, while he's on the McDavid line, is probably worth owning, especially in a bangers league. And keep your eye on Milan Lucic. He's still on the top power play, though, so I don't think you could drop him in most formats. Brian, let's go to Minnesota now. Oh, wait, hang on. In Edmonton, first off, I'll just second what you said about Pat Maroon there. But also, I don't, maybe we've mentioned recently, Ryan Nugent Hopkins continues to be gangbusters. 13 goals, 13 assists for 26 points in his last 31 games. Those are Danton Heinen-like numbers. He also has five power play points, 81 shots on goal. So near or more than three shots per game, if my math is correct. Uh, He had a pretty forgettable start to the year, but he's on a 60-point full-season pace. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins should probably be owned in a lot of leagues. If you own Mika Zibanejad, you should be interested in Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. But would you make it the swap? Yeah, I probably would not make the swap, but I would be looking to add Ryan Nugent-Hopkins to my squad. Okay, let's go to Minnesota. They're pulling uh, Ducks. They're finally getting healthy. It's nice to see Devin Dubnik returned on Friday. He played great, stopping 41 to 43 shots in a 4-2 win over Nashville. Dubnik's back up to a 9-18 save percentage on the season. He started, remember, so badly. So now he's already back up to average. I'm sure it'll continue to climb a little bit. We knew he'd bounce back eventually, right? He couldn't have stayed down for so long. He's Devin Dubnik. He's a solid guy. Obviously, at this point, owners of Alex Salak can drop him. He's actually been decent lately, but he's the clear backup on that team. 
the other big news on Minnesota is apparently Zach Parisi will make a season debut today. Those of you listening to this show, you know, after the fact, will know how he did in his first game with the team. Also, Nino Niederreiter should be back this week as well. So everyone is coming back to the team. It's going to be fun to see how the lines shake out. One of Grandland, Koivu, Zucker, Stahl, Coyle, Parisi, Niederreiter will have to fall out of the top six. But, you know, that's just how it goes when you have so many good players. Maybe they'll do what they did last year and have, like, a balanced top nine. So it's definitely worth watching if you own any of these guys to see if anything changes and if your players rise or, or drop in value. I think one player who you know you're safe with is Mikhail Granlin. He had a goal in this versus Dallas, a hat-trick versus Nashville. He had a pointless but seven shots on goal game versus Nashville again on Saturday. So he's definitely doing really well. It's nice to see him heating up after a bit of a slow start. I'm sure he'll be on the top line with Miko Koivu. Here were the practice lines yesterday on Minnesota for what it's worth, though, again, Niederreiter wasn't involved and he's going to be back soon. But they were going with Parisi playing with Charlie Coyle and Chris Stewart. So not the best line mates for him. And then Zucker, Stahl, Ennis and Erickson, Eck, Koivu and Granlin. So like I said, don't pay too much attention to that because anything could change. OK, Brian, I guess I'll stop rambling about Minnesota. Actually ask you a question. What's your take on Zach Parisi? Many patrons have asked about him as he seems to be in free agency in a lot of leagues. I guess in a lot of leagues, people don't want to just draft someone who's injured. Would have been a nice guy to stash, maybe, or maybe not. Last year, he had 19 goals and 42 points in 69 games, which is okay. It's like a 23-goal pace, like a 50-point pace. Not great, but still relevant in most leagues. He was still taking a ton of shots. Do you expect similar numbers from him last year? Is there any reason to think he can improve, or do you think he could even do worse? Zach Parisi last year, yeah, he had that 50-point pace. That marked a third consecutive year of scoring decline from him. But it wasn't all bad. There are reasons to consider what he did on the whole last season, an improvement with Bruce Boudreaux over the Mike Yo years as he saw less ice time, but in a somewhat more purposeful way, if that makes any sense at all. Parisi's rate stats from last season show a player who, not unlike Jason Pominville, saw more success in a more limited role. Prezi's offensive under the hood numbers last year probably rank amongst his top three, maybe even top two seasons of the last five, not going way back to his New Jersey Devils days for sure. Um, so yeah, there is some hope that Prezi will at least throw some shots on net, manage a point pace that touches or maybe even gets a bit above 50 points. And that's upside we're talking about, of course, especially with no lingering doubts this year about his health. And Elon, just before we move on to the next part. So that's my take on Prezi. Alex Stalock, he's yeah, Dubnik is great. Of course, he bounced back. and uh, But we should give Stalock a little more credit. He performed very admirably in Dubnik's stead. Only a 500 record, but he posted a 924 over 10 games with only two notably bad starts, one of which he actually won, which, of course, was against the Ottawa Senators. He finished on the high with three straight very good starts, though he only won one of them. So bummer for him in those win numbers. But good for him in his save percentage numbers. Maybe he is a legitimate NHL backup, which I wasn't ready to give him credit for before this run. Yeah, that's nice. I did mention that he had been doing well, but you still have to drop him. Unless, obviously, it's a really deep league and backups are owned, then he's okay. And with, you know, Dubnik coming back from injury, it's nice for them to ease him in a little bit and not have to play him all the time. Now they have a backup maybe they can rely on. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll have to see a bigger sample size from Alex Salak doing well before I'm going to be, like, all in on him being, like, a really good goalie. Uh, it took some time, by the way, but on defense, Jared Spurgeon finally got back on the top power play with Ryan Suter recently bumping Matt Dumba. Spurgeon has one goal and one assist in his last three games after going pointless in seven. So that's a good situation for Jared Spurgeon. I really liked him. He was in 
having the slump. So maybe he was in free agency in a bunch of leagues. So definitely, if you're listening to this, take a look and see if Spurgeon is available. I feel like if he is, you should definitely add him, especially if blocks are counted. He's been putting up like four or five blocks almost every game lately. At the same time, it's kind of hard to recommend dropping Matt Dumba after the great run he went on, but I'd be watching him very closely at this point. He has four goals and three assists in his last eight games, but three of his last four games have been pointless games. Curious to know, Brian, what would you be doing with Matt Dumba right now? Do you still hold and hope that he could keep up this production even if he's bumped? I actually saw that he might be back skating on the top unit, like the D unit with Ryan Suter today. So yeah, oh, you have to take a look and see. Maybe I'll check in right now while you answer and see what's happening today if their game has started. But what's your sense here? Like Spurgeon for sure, add. And then Dumba, I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah, that's my sense. I like Spurgeon. Dumba's been great filling in. But at the moment, I am back on Team Spurgeon. Okay. And yeah, this game just started. Maybe someone in the chat room can remind me to take a look at what's going on with Minnesota like an hour later when we're near the end of the show. Maybe I can remember to check in. Okay, Brian, let's say you are excited about Zach Parisi returning, but unfortunately someone else was smart or not. We'll have to find out and see. Same with someone like Ryan Ellis, who we'll get to in a second. You know, these guys who were injured to start the year or Sekera, <laughs> and now you don't have them, but you're excited to cheer for them to see how they'll do, but you don't have them on your team. That's okay, because you can play Daily Fantasy with our sponsor for this week's episode, FanDuel. FanDuel is a lot of fun because you get to pick a new team every single time you play. Like, you're listening to this podcast, and we're mentioning how Raquel and Getzloff are doing so well. You can't add them. You could add Vermette. By the way, Vermette might be a really good cheap Daily Fantasy option in FanDuel because you're going to get him for cheap, and he's on the top line. Just a little hint for you. But yeah, Daily Fantasy, it's where it's at. On FanDuel, there's new contests every day. Play whenever you want. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1, you pick a contest, you choose your team, and you watch your score real time. Brian, we've got our Keeping Carlson FanDuel League, which is back for sure, running weekly. It's going to be this week on Thursday. Afterwards, it'll be on Tuesdays, but we'll keep you guys posted. But after you listen to this show, if you've listened to this show and it's not past Thursday yet, then go to keepingcarlson.com slash fanduel or fanduel.com slash carl, K-A-R-L. They'll both take you to the same place to join our weekly league where you can compete against Brian, myself, and a bunch of other listeners in Keeping Carlson to see who's the best at Daily Fantasy this week. And beyond the thrill of playing fantasy hockey in a daily competition with Elon and I, new users get free entry into the NHL breakaway with thousands of dollars in cash prizes guaranteed to pay out when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com, sign up with the promo code CARL, that's FanDuel.com, promo code K-A-R-L, voidware prohibited. And Elon, just let me add it again because it's a different date than usual. You can join this week's contest starting on Wednesday night. That's when it'll open and it'll play for Thursday night's games. Hope to see you there. Okay, Brian, by the way, Minnesota has scored a goal. So it's one nothing. Jared Spurgeon got an assist. So I'm going to be a little bit of a detective. I'm taking a look at all of their players plus minuses. And I see Spurgeon is plus one, of course, because he got an assist. And I'm seeing Ryan Suter is also plus one. So Spurgeon is indeed back on the top D unit with Ryan Suter. So yeah, very exciting for me as a Spurgeon owner in the couple. I'm happy to see him back getting that top deployment. Okay, Brian, like I said, like Zach Parisi, Ryan Ellis will be making his season debut today for the National Predators. Has their game started yet? 
Uh, doesn't look like it, but he will be playing today, which is very exciting. A lot of people drafted him waiting for this day. So I'd imagine we'll be getting some questions soon of who people should be dropping. Oh, should I drop this guy to bring in Ryan Ellis? You could tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. I'm sure we'll get those tweets. I'm excited to answer them. But Brian, first I need to know, what's your take on Ryan Ellis? Like he broke out last year. He had 38 points in 71 games, including 11 points on the power play, which is pretty impressive because he wasn't even on the top unit. He also averaged a couple of shots per game. He blocked a lot. So he was definitely a really valuable own in a multi cat league do you expect him to be able to repeat this pace this year i'm always nervous just like i said i'm nervous with someone like crazy i'm nervous with someone like ryan ellis because the predators already have suban and yozi ahead of him on the depth chart and matias ekholm has been solid as well throughout the year though he's actually been pointless in seven now so it's a good time for ellis to come back and maybe overtake ekholm at least but still he's got a couple guys to surpass who are going to get the top deployment but at the same time ryan ellis he's clearly pretty good yeah, he's pretty good. And as for what you should do about him if he's available or in your IR and you're wondering what to do based on how he gets deployed, it really is hard to say, especially with such a chunk of the season already underway. So we're going to be watching very closely to see how he's deployed starting tonight. He managed just fine with Subban and Yozi ahead of him in the in the depth chart last year, though each of them did spend some time on the shelf, which probably helped his fortunes a little bit. I would keep your expectations measured for sure. 35 points with some peripherals, kind of like what you'd hope for from guys like Brent Seabrook and Andre Secker at the start of the season. Not that they're giving you that at this point of the season. Entirely coincidence that three days ago, by the way, I owned all three of those guys in that comparison. I still own Ryan Ellis. If you don't and he's available, worth a speculative ad if you're desperately looking to fill a defensive spot or upgrade one, but I wouldn't be moving any like high end contributing member of your lineup out for him. Otherwise, unless defenseman scarcity is a really intense thing in your league. I, maybe I'm downplaying it a little bit. Like he should be on your radar. Absolutely. I have him in my roster. He's still in my IR. I'm going to try and leave him there for a couple more days until I get a better sense of what I can expect from him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, definitely, if he could do what he did last year, he's worth owning in almost every format. But it's just a matter of seeing if he'll be able to do that again, coming in midway through the season, no training camp, all of that might be tough. Okay, speaking of the Predators, Philip Forsberg is on the IR with an upper body injury. No timetable yet for his return. It's kind of mysterious. The main benefactor, I guess, at least on Saturday, was Cali Yarncroc. He put up two assists after being promoted to line one with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. Sorry, Ryan Johansson. Don't want to get that wrong. Cali Yarncroc also saw top power play time with those two and also Craig Smith and P.K. Subban. So a really great spot for Cali Yarncroc. Top line, top power play. He was actually already on a nice run before. He had 11 points in his last 13 games. So... Seems like he is a really good short-term must-add while on the top line of top power play, right? Especially because we don't even know how long Forsberg's going to be out. I assume you're going to say that people should take Callie Yarncroc ahead of Antoine Vermette? Yeah, I am going to say that. And Yarncroc had already been on a pretty good role, like you mentioned. He had been benefiting from playing with Philip Forsberg. That surely helped him collect some of those points. But yeah, being where he is, top line, top power play helps as well. Four minutes more of ice time in his most recent game, pretty much all of which came on the power play. So yeah, I like him more than Antoine Vermette. Okay, then Brian, how about guys like Kevin Fiala, who's now pointless in four, Kyle Turris, only one goal in his last six games, Craig Smith, one goal in his last four games. They were golden boys back when we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Everyone was loving these guys. At this point, I feel like I'd want Yarncroc over all of them. I feel like if you're holding those guys and Yarncroc is in free agency, you're kind of snoozing. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, 
Craig Smith, though, had 11 shots on goal the other night against Minnesota. That was December 29th. And he followed that up with five more shots on goal on December 30th. 16 shots in two nights. And my sincerest apologies to Dave Kay, who would have definitely beaten me handily in shots on goal in the cupful if it weren't for those two ridiculous performances that I got out of him, which is why I'm a little reluctant to let him go because he's still in a pretty good spot. Uh, Fiala, though, yeah, he's barely shooting. Tourists back to about his usual rate. So I guess you could switch the last two guys out for Jan Kruk, but I would still like to have Craig Smith. Yeah, I guess if shots on goal is a category, you want to take a heavy shooter and hold him on your team. Also, Craig Smith is still on that top power play, so that makes sense. But so is Callie Yarncroft. So remember, we called it that he's going to be good. He's already been good. So consider adding him. Another player that's returning today. Today's a big day. I kind of wish we were recording in a couple of days so we could have some news to report about these guys. But yeah, let's talk about Dustin Bufflin, who's going to be returning for the Jets. Is their game starting yet? Uh, doesn't look like it. Okay. So again, we'll have to wait and see what he does. We talked about him when he got injured. He had zero goals and 15 assists in 28 games, which is like okay in terms of points but not really for a guy like Dustin Bufflin no goals is crazy because he was taking a lot of shots we suggested to buy low when he was injured I actually did in the cuckuffle I've had him in my IR since I traded for him a few weeks ago I paid a heavy price but I'm very excited now to see how he does once he's back now that Ristolainen has scored a couple of goals Bufflin has to follow suit right well yeah Bufflin and Ristolainen they've shared so many past teammates over the years that their fates are definitely aligned and now it's only a matter of time that Bufflin follows suit. Here's a tidbit, Elon, by the way, about Bufflin's low-scoring season and Ristolainen was uh, was there. Now he has so many goals. It's like he's been scoring all year long. He actually has as many as Kevin Shattenkirk on the power play. How about that? Uh, 36 defensemen in the NHL have played more than 90 minutes on the power play this year. 27 of them have scored at least one goal. Bufflin is one of the ones who hasn't. Can you name any of the others? Defensemen who play a lot on the power play and haven't scored a goal? Yeah. And are we talking power play goals or all goals? Power play goals. And I actually misspoke. Ristolainen has two even strength goals, not power play. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I guess this won't be too interesting on the show for me to <laughs> hem and haw about it. Uh, Tori Krug. Uh, oh, I know. Justin Falk. Justin Falk is one. Duncan Keith, another. Brent Seabrook, another. Nate Schmidt, Matt Dumba. Keith Yandel and Will Butcher. Oh, I thought you said there was like two. No, there were nine. And one of them was Dustin Bufflin. Cool. Well, that won't last. I've got Dustin Bufflin. I'm excited for him to get me some points, baby. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Since we're on the Jets, now we've got Myers and Truba, who were both jockeying for the top power play spot in Bufflin's absence. You could probably drop both of them now if you added them when Bufflin got injured. Neither have been doing much of anything lately anyway. Forget about those guys, unless you know you need the peripherals from Truba. But you already were saying that you didn't like Truba. Even on the top power play, you were like, you probably don't want to add him. He's not going to get you many points. Up front, the Jets were hit really hard. Top center Mark Shifley is going to be out six to eight weeks with an upper body injury. He's having such an amazing season, 38 points in 38 games. It's really a shame we're not going to be able to see if he can beat his 82 points from last year. It seemed like he was on pace to maybe be able to do that. But now, okay, Shifley's out. Blake Wheeler has moved to center the top line. A lot of people were thinking when we first saw that Shifley was injured, maybe Brian Little will jump up to top line, top power play, just take Shifley's spot. But it hasn't happened. They just moved Wheeler from right wing to center. So maybe he'll be getting center eligibility soon, by the way, for those who care. And then he's been playing with Kyle Connor, who's already on the top line, and Patrick Liney, who jumped up from line two to line one. So Wheeler, Connor, Liney, still a great spot for Kyle Connor. 
Patrick Laine was already in a fine spot on the top power play on line two, but now he jumps up to line one, so he's even better. Hopefully no one dropped Kyle Connor, by the way, during his cold stretch. At the time we last recorded, we were talking about how Connor was cold. I hope, I'm pretty sure I said you can't drop someone on the top line and top power play on Winnipeg. I hope I said that. I hope people listen to me. He has three goals and three assists in his last four games, so he's bounced back in a big way, and he's in a really great spot. He was even... Uh, almost demoted it looked like he was going to be demoted to line three for a while there was a big scare i'll bet you some people dropped him i hope it wasn't people listening right now it was matthew perot was someone who benefits from this injury because he gets back into the top six as he was moved to line two with little and ehlers and another benefactor has been it's kind of sad that i talk about all these people benefiting from someone getting injured but it's a big spot of the roster to fill another benefactor brian i wonder if you would have guessed this adam lowry has taken shifley's spot on the top power play with connor line a wheeler and now dustin bufflin so People who thought it might be Little or Ehlers, kind of crappy that it ends up being Adam Lowry jumping ahead of those guys. Anyways, Lowry's been taking advantage. He had a power play goal two games ago, and he had a power play assist on Sunday at Edmonton. We'll see how he does today. Perot also, by the way, has two points in his last three games. So, Brian, which potential free agent will only consider guys that actually might be in free agency in most leagues? Which potential free agent do you like better on Winnipeg between Lowry and Matthew Perot? And then maybe once you answer that, you can try to rank them along with Callie Yarncroc. I would take Matthew Perot. I'd have him probably just below Kelly Yarncroc, then Lowry, and then Antoine Vermette. Am I too low on Antoine Vermette? Am I being too hard on him? Like, where do you, how do you rank these this group of players? I would also have Yarncroc first because he's top line, top power play. And Vermette is not top power play, but he is top line. But I think I would rather have, I don't know. I just really like that Anaheim line. I don't think it's going to last though. I feel like Vermette's like perfect for daily fantasy or for like a short term spot start while he's playing with Getzlaff and Raquel. Then I'd probably rather have him than Perot. But like if it's an ad that you have to hold for like a week or two, then I'd rather have Matthew Perot. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. Cool. Okay. Next team. Next outjury. TJ Oshie. Returned to the Capitals after missing six games. Went right back to line two with Varan and Kuznetsov and back to the top power play. But don't look now, Brian. Perhaps the regression you've been predicting for like two years now is finally happening. And I, I'm sorry to sound excited for someone not doing well. But every you know few episodes, I'm like, hey, Brian, guess what? TJ Oshie's still doing so well. And you're like, oh, no, it's unsustainable. He's scoring on too many shots or too many goals are going in while he's on the ice. It's not going to last. But Brian... Since he's come back from injury, only one goal and no assists in six games. I know it's a small sample, but uh, is this something that people should start being concerned about if they're TJ Oshie owners, considering that you've been calling it for so long that he'd go cold? Is this just a slump or is maybe this closer to the new normal? Though it is worth mentioning, the Caps went through a stretch recently where nobody was doing anything offensively. They actually pulled out the big guns versus New Jersey on Saturday. They put Devontae Smith-Pelly back on line one with Ovechkin and Backstrom bumping Tom Wilson back to obscurity. And of course, Devontae Smith-Pelly picked up an assist and he's still on that line. And I think he even has a goal today. So that's what happens on Washington. You grab that top line guy, much like an Antoine Vermette. If you like him, I guess you got to like Devontae Smith-Pelly as well. Anyways, Brian, I'll spare you from asking if people should pick up DSP right now, since I know exactly what you're going to say. You're going to say, sure, why not? As long as he's there, it won't last. But I guess, yeah, he might do something. I'm not too high on him. Uh, but I will ask you, do you want to gloat about TJ Oshie not producing lately? I don't want to gloat. I think I should probably wait for it to happen over a bigger sample than six games before gloating about TJ Oshie clearly being exactly the player that I've been saying he was for the last two years. But I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I will at least say that I remain steadfast in all I've suggested in the last weeks and months that TJ Oshie is not actually that good, but he still is better 
than one point in six games. So he'll be better than that. He's like, uh, he could be, look, he's a good player. He's just not as good as he's been over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's fair. Note, by the way, Nick Backstrom is sick today. So Chandler Stevenson has been centering the top line. Goes to show you how deep Washington is. They seem like such a good team, but you lose Backstrom for a day and you've got Devontae Smith-Pelly, Chandler Stevenson, and Alex Ovechkin as line one. I'm sure Ovechkin wasn't considering that as an option when he signed his last contract. But okay, let's go to another outtree in Toronto. Austin Matthews was out for a couple of weeks, but he returned four games ago to continue his amazing season. He had a goal and assist at the Rangers, one goal at Arizona, Five shots at Colorado, two goals at Vegas. Not a bad return road trip for him. And this is, of course, great news for William Nylander. Ah, no, William Nylander, who is back on track with seven points in his last six games. Brian, how about let me change my new year, new me thing. If, if I mispronounce it, I'm going to correct it in the episode and hopefully really soon after. That, that's my resolution, okay? But yeah, Matthews returning is great for Nylander. Like I said, seven points in his last six games. I feel like if you're in a shallow league, it's possible Nylander was dropped at some point because he was really cold for a long time. People definitely need to go and grab him ASAP, right? Like Nylander is playing with, like he's good on his own. Plus, Austin Matthews is a huge talent, like one of the best players in the league. You definitely want whoever's playing with him, which means if you're in a deeper league and someone like Nylander isn't, you know, available, which he probably isn't for most of you listening, maybe take a look at Zach Hyman as the third on that line. He has three points in his last four games since Matthews' return. Hyman, a good deep cut. We always look to that third piece on the top line. He's it at the moment. So, sure, consider him. Uh, definitely add Nylander again. Nazem Kadri, Elon, did you say anything about him? No, but how about I'll do it right now? I know you're excited to talk about Nazem Kadri. He has missed a few games with an upper body injury, but is returning today. Before getting hurt, he was actually pointless in his last 11 games. I'll bet you he's been dropped in a lot of leagues of the listeners that are listening to me right now. So Brian, let them know. Do you think that he can bounce back when he returns? Is he a must add, even though he's gone pointless for this long? Or is being on a line with Patrick Marlowe and Leo Komarov finally catching up to Nazem Kadri? Like you can't be expected to produce so much with those guys though to be fair marlo actually has three goals and two assists his last three games he was on a long non-fantasy relevant run before that so yeah i guess i'd be curious about your thoughts on cadre at this point and oh then i'll ask you my next question i don't want to get too far ahead of myself okay uh cadre is maybe like i think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for and so is his line in komarov and marlo uh together Kadri and Komarov have been a fantastic unit over the last couple of years, facing the other team's top competition night in, night out, and doing a good job of it while also getting some points together. But yeah, this cold streak for Kadri has seen him drop from a 40-plus goal pace to just shy of 30, which is uh, about right. That's that, that's more like it when you're talking about Nazem Kadri's goal output. I'm still not sure he's gotten appropriate credit, by the way, for having scored 32 goals last year. Kadri scored 12 on the power play, which tied him for sixth in the whole league last year in power play goals. But back to this year for Kadri, look, he's not converting a 30% clip he had last year to get so many goals. That's on the power play. So it's fair not to expect a repeat. His even strength number has risen some, and that's helped him compensate. But I think 25, 30 goals is still a safe expectation, safer for sure than 30 plus. Yeah, I feel like I'm not allowed to comment on Kadri. I feel like I'm always underrating him because I just don't like his situation in the lineup, but he has been good for so long. But now that he's been pointless for a while, I understand why people are dropping him. But I think if he was dropped in the couple, I would add him, even though like centers are like the least viable position because there's so many of them. So Brian, I mentioned that Marlo's on a good run. We talked about Hyman before. I'm curious, so who would you prefer in free agency between Marlo and Hyman? I think it's like an interesting question. There's two different types of fantasy owns. You've got Marlo who gets power play time, 
while Hyman doesn't, but Hyman is on that top first line. So which player would you consider more valuable to you on your fantasy teams? I'm not even going to answer that. I'm going to throw in a third player, Mitch Marner, who's been on fire. He definitely would have been mentioned if we had a show during our off week. Had a wonderful run. Three goals, 10 assists for 13 points in nine games, 23 shots on goal over that span. Now he's pointless in his last two games, so now it's 13 points in his last 11 games. Uh, But how about adding him? It seems like every Leaf is taking turns sharing the spotlight. I might still prefer Marlowe just because I'm more reliably in a good spot in the lineup. But then my next choice would definitely be Marner, then Hyman. Brian, that was a, that was a ridiculous thing. Like, oh, I guess I'll actually take J- JVR first, and then I'll take... Like, <laughs> Marner's not available. He's owned in all leagues. Oh, I don't, no, he was dropped in a lot of leagues. He went cold for a while. Like, this is him the same way that Nylander has yo-yoed. Marner's been the same. Yeah, but okay, I was saying in very shallow leagues, maybe Nylander's been dropped. Then I was like right away saying, uh, probably not. Anyways, fine. If Marner's available, and that's crazy about that, that you would take Marlowe over Marner. I would definitely take Mitch Marner over Marlowe, no question about it. I was, yeah, I was, I was trying not to, sorry? I was like, I'm comparing Marlowe to Hyman as two like very lower tier guys who might actually be available in most people's leagues. Yeah, I wanted to throw you a bone and still put Marlowe out there because I thought you had just forgotten about Marner, but... Uh... You're right. That's crazy. You want Mitch Marner. You want, although I still, I still stand by Marlo being a little more reliably deployed than Marner. I guess um, he's on the top. He's not really. Well, anyways, whatever. Marner, I think, yeah. is on. Depends. It depends what you think about Nazem Kadri, really, because Marlo's well, playing Kadri. Marlo's yeah, playing Marner's, with JVR. And Marner's been up and down the lineup a bunch too. Uh, maybe that's earlier in the season, though. We'll we'll be watching. Own them both, and then Hyman <laughs> is after them. Eh, I disagree. I don't, I don't, I'm not so into Patrick Marlowe. I, I guess I'd take him over Hyman, though. Okay, let's go to some injuries now. Tyson Barry is going to be out four to six weeks with a broken hand. He's been having a great season with 27 points in 34 games, a huge blow for his owners. I feel like it happened like really close to Shifley getting injured. It's su- such a bummer when these like young players are really like breaking out. I guess Shifley at this point. But like, Barry, also he's had good years before, but I was really enjoying his bounce back, and now he's out for four to six weeks for like blocking a shot. Stop it! We've already talked about this. Stop blocking shots if you're a superstar player. At least Tyson Barry's a defenseman. But blocking a shot with your hand, come on. Anyways, the Avs have been fine, actually, even with Barry injured. They've won their last two games versus the Islanders and Toronto. A lot of defensemen on Colorado have been stepping up in Barry's absence. Makes for some interesting discussion of who you might want to add. You've got Sam Girard, who was on power play one versus the Islanders on Sunday, and he put up two power play assists. That's a really strong power play unit with Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Tyson Jost was actually there recently. So, and then the defenseman, which last game was Sam Girard. Actually, Eric Johnson got a couple of games on the top power play, but I guess since he didn't put up any power play points, he got moved to the second unit. Sam Girard took a spot. No matter. Eric Johnson's still doing well. He had a goal and assist versus the Islanders. He also continues to be a shot, hit, and block machine. So I feel like Eric Johnson was already pretty much a must-own in most bangers and match formats. Maybe I'm higher on him than most, but he's been like really solid for me in the couple all year long. And even not on the top power play, I would like him. Brian, maybe you could compare who you like between Sam Girard and Eric Johnson. Then you've got even some lower tier guys. You've got Nikita Zadorov. He had three assists in his last four games and is putting up great blocks and hits numbers. Though if you really just want blocks, here's a name for you. Patrick Nemeth. He had 11 blocks 
at Arizona a couple of weeks ago and has 31 blocks in his last six games. He's just blo- like, it's crazy. And the weird thing is in his like game search, you see like four, five, 11, then like one zero. So it sucks for the person who picked him up just for that zero block game and then dropped him. And then someone else spot started him for all those other blocks. That was like, but anyways, Brian, what are your thoughts on Eric Johnson and Gerard at this point? Those are the main guys, Zadarov and Namath are, you know, people that maybe you can look at for spot starts, but who would you like? better and you think sam gerard is the real deal can he hold this top power play spot for as long as tyson barry is out okay well first off it looks like hockey references pronunciation guide which i've been consulting lately has patrick nemet nemet oh. so the th is pronounced t yeah oh this is hard man that's tricky i i just think it was so easy for you to start with kessler and you really really set the bar too high well we've corrected it now patrick nemet sure block machine he's swedish um okay all right so what do you want to know okay barry barry eric johnson samuel gerard i'll I'll step in around there Uh, what i'd love to do like between gerard and johnson which one i would love to own most i I would much prefer to combine them into one player have them share a roster spot because they each have one key thing that the other lacks gerard has the offensive upside and eric johnson has his peripherals so gerard has somehow managed a shot per game only as a member of the avalanche um, a lot of zeros in the shots on goal column on his way to getting there. I've actually added him over the past month or so. And like, if he doesn't score, he's not doing anything for you. Wasn't scoring often enough. Now he is in a better position to do that. But I feel like I need to see more before I'm ready to commit to zero contributions in the case that he doesn't score. And of course, Eric Johnson continues to fill each category in a pretty reasonable way. I guess since he's keeping pace in points lately, I would prefer Eric Johnson of the two. And then what, what do you think? Should I talk about Tyson Jost? Well, no. Okay. So, but Sam Gerrard, fine. Like even just in terms of like, do you think he's good and like can hold that top power play spot? Yeah. Like, I think there's a chance. I, I feel like the Avalanche made a real big deal of acquiring him and making him one of the centerpieces of the Duchesne trade. He seems to be the heir apparent to Barry. So I think maybe he doesn't hold it forever if it doesn't work out, but I think he gets a run so they can at least see what he can do. And you're right. Anyone playing on that top unit, that's a very good top power play unit to be a part of. Yeah, and so like like you were just hinting at, another guy on that top unit right now is Tyson Jost. What, though it, it should be mentioned, he's there, I think, because JT Comfer, who we mentioned recently, he's injured. So that's what opened up the spot. Yeah, Tyson Jost on the top power play. He had six shots versus the Islanders. He played 17 minutes and 14 seconds in that game where he'd been lower than 10 minutes of time on ice the two games before. So Comfer's injury is really opening up a spot for Jost, both at even strength and on the power play. What do you think of him? Lots of buzz has always surrounded Tyson Jost, who was 2016's 10th overall pick. Nice to see him get more minutes. I'm kind of annoyed that to date, he's averaged less than 13 minutes of ice. Like maybe Tyson Jost would be better served by getting big minutes in the minors. Uh, Of course, there's the chance that Colorado knows what they're doing and is developing him as they choose and and, in a way that's going to benefit him and them. Kind of hard to say uh, with Colorado sometimes. But anyway... Good to see Tyson Joes finally getting some good minutes and worth keeping an eye on. Like we had our eyes on JT Comfort already. So why not a blue chip prospect who's essentially stepped into the same spot? Yeah, I feel like this is like, we're giving you some good names, by the way, for Daily Fantasy. Like Tyson Joes on the top power play. I'm sure he'll be like one of the cheapest guys out there on FanDuel for Thursday. So I might be giving up one of my roster spots that I'll be using. By the way, Brian, is it crazy that we're like midway through the season almost and there's a discussion on our Facebook group about how the Ottawa Senators or Arizona are the worst team in the league. Colorado doesn't even come up. 
what an improvement for them. And I'm surprised you haven't, I've been trying to trigger you all episode long to get you to defend the Ottawa Senators. I keep mentioning this post about them being the worst team in the league. I have no interest in defending the Ottawa Senators. They have shown no allegiance to Eric Carlson, so I have no allegiance for them. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should have tried to get Sam Girard in that trade instead of Matt Duchesne. Maybe things would be going a little better for them. Also, by the way, Chris in the chat room is saying that it is Patrick Nemeth with a TH. So that was a maybe a silly thing you said, or maybe Chris is wrong. I'm just going by the pronunciation guide on a hockey website who, you know, I don't know who runs that thing. So obviously I'm going to know. I, I, Chris has listened. He's a Dallas fan. He knows, uh, he knows that he's watched games that have been commentated on and heard the announcers say the guy's name the way he wants to. I'm just going to call him Patrick N. from now on. And Elon, the Colorado is doing very well. Do, guess who has more points between Colorado and Pittsburgh? Colorado! They're tied, so it was a trick question, but <laughs> Colorado has two games in hand. Man, yeah, and Pittsburgh, by the way, well, let's talk about them now. They're winning today, 4-1 to one versus Philly, and I'll just take a quick look to see if any of the players I was going to talk about have scored. No, actually, it's a bunch of, like, Ryan Reeves has a goal and an assist? What is happening? But, hey, if that's what they need to break out of their slump is Ryan Reeves leading the way, there you go. So, okay, Pittsburgh, Chris Letang, and Matt Murray were both injured over our break. But they are both back. Latang returning today. Murray returned a couple of games ago. So I'm actually, though, Brian, I got to say, I'm pretty nervous about Latang now that he's had this injury. It was like one of these things where just all of a sudden, oh, Chris Latang is on the is, you know, day-to-day. It's like, oh, here we go again. Usually, like, I'm still nervous about when I see Chris Latang day-to-day. I think, oh, there's a month where he's going to be out of the lineup. But he's back today. Hopefully, he's fine. I've got to say, Brian, if I was a Crystal Tang owner, I'd wait for him to have a good game or two, and I'd try to trade him ASAP. I'm nervous. I have him in one league where there is no trades. It's our, like, fan tracks cash league where you just draft your team and that's it. You could either add drop free agents or that's it. And I'm nervous. I hope Latang will stay healthy the rest of the way. But we had a patron, Mike C., who posted in our patron-only Facebook group that he was offered Drew Doughty for Crystal Tang in a bangers league, and I voted that he should accept this trade. I think that's a really good return for some that I'm nervous about and Dowdy's been like amazing this season. Brian, you voted against that trade. I'm I'm curious to know why you did that. Well, I voted against it, not because I was against selling Chris Letang, but because I thought a healthy Chris Letang, who it seemed like we were about to get, should be able to get more than just Drew Dowdy. Like maybe Drew Dowdy plus an extra piece. A day-to-day Letang for Dowdy is something I'd have been a little happier to get in on. And hey, I still think holding or trading Letang is always a very personal management choice based on how much risk you're willing to tolerate. Elon, if you waited on Latang, you didn't trade him for Doughty, and then he did have a good game or two, do you think you could get a better return back than Drew Doughty? Well, the thing is, like, Drew Doughty is one of the defenseman point leaders this year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know earlier on when I was listing them, he was there, and he's great in the peripherals. So I think he's, like, a really solid return. Like, he's a reliable guy that's going to get you a good number of points. I don't know. I guess it depends who else you can get. So if you think you can get more for Doughty, then maybe a draft pick thrown in if Latang has a great game. Though Latang has actually been a little bit disappointing this year. Like, definitely not up to the level that we were hoping he would be when he was healthy. Anyways, we'll see. Hopefully Latang is back and healthy. We can check in on him again in a little bit. Sorry, I should not have interrupted you, but Drew Doughty, you're right, is tied for third in the league in defensemen scoring. Only John Klingberg and John Carlson have more points. He's actually in like a four-way tie for third at the moment with other guys that I think have more offensive upside, like Shane Ghost Despair and Victor Hedman. Uh, Morgan Riley up there with 28 points. That's pretty good. So you're right. Maybe I am trying to aim like too high because Doughty's had a good season. I'm not saying uh, that it's a terrible deal. I'm saying it's it's definitely a defensible deal. It could work for some teams. For me, if I'm trading a healthy Chris Letang, I want a little more back. 
Sure. Just uh, don't hold him too long trying to negotiate and then he's out yeah. for the season. <laughs> okay, by the way, uh, Matthew's saying in the chat room, Latang on a 50-point pace, not bad. Yeah, not bad. But uh, at the same time, not amazing. Not like the 60, 65 <laughs> points that we were expecting from him if he was healthy. Okay, anyways, Justin Schultz, by the way, is also skated today and he is back today, I believe. So we can keep our eye on him. I'd assume Latang is getting top power play time. Unfortunately, the game has just started, so we can't give you too much info on that situation. Also, by the way, in this game today, apparently Tristan Jari has been hurt. I was going to mention that if people added Tristan Jari with Murray Hurt, I wonder if they should hang on for a bit and not drop Tristan Jari just because Murray returned on Sunday at Detroit and led in four goals on 23 shots and a 4-1 loss. It was a bad game for Matt Murray. He's actually below 900 save percentage in all of his last three games, and he only has a 902 save percentage on the season. And meanwhile, Tristan Jari, he had a great game in Carolina in Murray's absence, letting in two goals on 33 shots, and he has a 921 save percentage in 12 games on the season. So Jari's been much better than Murray so far this season overall so i was gonna be telling people maybe don't be so fast to drop tristan jari now that murray's back and jari even got the start today but now i see that he's injured so if you still have tristan jari i guess stash him but uh maybe the whole thing is moot now i guess murray's gonna be getting a lot of starts if jari's injured we'll have to see how serious this injury is i mean brian right now the penguins are out of the playoffs like, they're fighting for a playoff spot, which is crazy. That's what I was just thinking. They're going to go with a hot hand goalie. Like, if they're both healthy, they're going to go with who's going to help them win the next game. I don't think they could afford to help Murray, like, regain his confidence if they're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, it's really hard because, as we just mentioned, they are tied with Colorado right now with two fewer games remaining. They sit a few points out of a playoff spot. I mean, you're crazy if you think they can't do it. But also think that uh, maybe there's reason for some skepticism to crawl in, especially if we, as we get towards the end of the year, the Penguins have played an insane amount of hockey dating back to the beginning of the 2015, 16 season. They've had two very short off seasons where they've won the cup both years. A bunch of them played in the world cup of hockey as well. Um, The good news about a healthy Tristan Jari is that he sure has seemed up to the task of starting once a week, which should mean that Murray's, workhorse workload is less likely and less necessary than before i don't know that that means tristan jari should start more as the hot hand though it's really tough to call how pittsburgh's going to want to play this if they are both healthy for what it's worth uh tristan jari's record is essentially the same in terms of win loss proportion as matt murray's even though jari's numbers have been better on the whole maybe jari's done a bit better at being in net for an extra loser point or two what i've seen out of pittsburgh so far though with murray's struggles is that uh they think matt murray is still their guy still going to be their guy and my guess is that their priority is that matt murray gets back on track rather than Tristan Jari suddenly becoming the new number one goalie. So maybe Jari just starts a little more often till Matt Murray finds his game. Uh, Something worth watching for sure. And this is all predicated on both of them being healthy at the same time. Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens. Maybe we'll get an update on Jari before we're done recording this episode. Uh, Brian Rust is injured as well, and the Penguins have called up Daniel Sprong, who put up six shots in Detroit in 18 minutes and eight seconds of playing time. He was on a line with Sheehan and Haglund. So that was his first game. He also saw second unit power play time. So Brian, my classic question to you, who is Daniel Sprong? I hear he's been killing it in the minors. That's the buzz on our Facebook group. Is he the next Gensel that's going to get called up midway through the season and start crushing it? Let's see what he's doing today. Pittsburgh is winning 4-1 against Philly. Daniel Sprung so far, no points, one shot, low minutes. That's not looking very good. Daniel Sprung is a 46th overall pick of Pittsburgh's back in 2015. 
And you're right about what you've heard about what he's done in the minors this year. He is amongst the AHL's leading scorers this year. He had 18 goals, 10 assists for 28 points in 29 games before being called up. Everybody always talks about Sprong's shot, which we got to see a lot of in his season debut on New Year's Eve. He had a game-high six shots on goal, a game-high five scoring chances for, and Carl Haglin was right up there with him in both those measures, by the way, playing on the same line. They were flying. I don't know about Daniel Sprong being like the next Gensel, but as with Gensel and Cheery and even Brian Rust types, the upside is there if he plays in the right spot in the lineup. He seems to at least have a green light to shoot the puck, so could be a nice add to at least get you some shots on goal while you wait and see if they'll translate to anything more. Okay, yeah, someone to watch. By the way, on Pittsburgh, Crosby and Kessel are both on cold streaks right now. Always a good idea, I think, to kick the tires of the Crosby owner when he slumps. He always breaks out of the slump. So I feel like unless you're going to tell me that you see anything to be concerned about with him, I feel like now's a great time to go to the Crosby owner or even the Kessel owner and be like, hey, I'll take uh, Crosby off your hands. Here, I'll throw you this hot player. I don't know who, who you'd even offer, but I feel like pretty much any player on your team is probably worth it for Sidney Crosby, right? Yeah, you can kick some tires, see if you can buy him low. Same with Phil Kessel, who is on the board already tonight. Crosby might also be. So uh, that buy low window is closing if it ever did exist. Yeah, one assist for Crosby. So, oh well. Too late. Uh, Both Cam Atkinson and Alex Wenberg will be out for a few weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's our next injuries we'll get into. According to Aaron Portsline, at Portsline, the Jackets shuffled up their lines in practice yesterday. And so for today, they had Josh Anderson leave line one which is kind of too bad he was on a in a good spot i thought with panarin and dubois that was a really nice line anderson panarin dubois but apparently anderson swapped down to line two to play with jenner and milano and then nick felino has been brought up to play on line one with panarin and dubois so i'd definitely be watching nick felino closely at this point i'd imagine he's been dropped in most leagues he's been so bad all year long he's done nothing but if he's on the top line with hot players like panarin and dubois that's a great way to break out of a slump I feel like I would consider preemptively adding Felino, maybe even over someone like a Cali Yarncroc, though maybe at the same time you could just wait like for Felino to actually do something, grab the guy who's actually putting up points. Shocked to hear you say ahead of a Cali Yarncroc after all the praises of his we've sung this episode. I don't know that I'd go that far, although we do know the upside. Well, it could be there. Uh, if you're looking at adding Felino, this is actually a good opportunity for us to mention that the schedule's are getting really wonky in the NHL for the next couple of weeks. A ton of teams are playing only one or two games in the next couple of weeks. Uh, only nine teams for next week are going to play three or more games with Columbus being one of them. And that seems like a great opportunity to take Nick Felino for a test run. Really not so sure what to expect. He's been tossed all around the depth chart this year, has not been able to get into a groove with anyone. Maybe that's because he's rarely playing with the same two guys for more than a few games at a time. So if this unit can hold for a few games, it's a good unit for him to be a part of. And I'm interested to see what he's got to give. Yeah, I mean, he's only a couple years removed from 70 points. But I know like he's definitely not a 70-point guy anymore. But last year, he was decent enough. Like This has been a surprise this year for him to fall completely out of fantasy relevance. So play with Panarin and Dubois, who are both not only great players, but also on really good runs right now. 
I, I think it's a good spot. I would, I would take a close look at him. Okay, next injury. Corey Crawford. He's out indefinitely for the Blackhawks. I don't think we've heard what his injury is. Kind of like the Forsberg situation. Maybe with Forsberg we have heard. I don't know. Hard to keep track of all this stuff. Got, like It was so weird. These past couple of weeks, Brian, not doing an episode last week, really messed with me because I already had all these notes. And then another week of news came and I had to sort of update. the. Oh, this is a, this guy, hot streak guy. He's not even on a hot streak anymore. I can't talk about him. Anyway, sorry. I just want to know a little bit of a tangent there. Corey Crawford, injured. So everyone, including myself, rushed to grab Anton Forsberg out of free agency as soon as they saw that Corey Crawford was out indefinitely. And Forsberg proceeded to put up a stinker in Vancouver. He let in five goals on 31 shots. And then for the next two games, the Hawks have played someone named Jeff Glass, who played well in a 4-3 win over Edmonton, then not so well in a 4-3 loss to Calgary. I don't think we know yet who's going to be playing for the Blackhawks tomorrow. But uh, what do you make of this goalie situation? Would you be grabbing either of these goalies out of free agency for as long as Crawford is out if they are available? Like at this point, I, I added Anton Forsberg and I dropped him because if he's going to not even get the minutes, like I don't want a crappy goalie that's also not even playing. But also like, who is Jeff Glass? Well, Canadian World Junior Championship followers and Ottawa Senators organization watchers are no stranger to Jeff Glass. He backstopped Canada to their World Junior Championship title back in 2005. That was gold medal number one of the five-year champion streak that it kicked off that Canada will never stop talking about. Uh, But Jeff Glass never stuck in the NHL. He was in the Senators organization for four years. I think it was a third or fourth round draft pick of theirs. And then he had been in the KHL since 2009 before coming back to play North America last season. He's been serviceable in Rockford's minor league timeshare, but doesn't strike me as someone to go on a career-altering run, though there is the Andrew Hammond precedent. So we can never quite predict these things, but if I had to bet, I would bet that Anton Forsberg is going to be the one to get the most starts while Crawford is out by virtue of him having already earned the backup role going into the season. Yeah, too bad he sucks. And he really ruined my week last week. Like He came in for one game, used up one of my acquisitions, blew my save percentage, and they didn't play again. Thanks. Thanks, Anton Forsberg. I'm not adding him to my team. I don't care. He can stay in free agency. Even though a lot of people may have said that about James Reimer a little while back, and now he's completely rolling it on fire on Florida. So what do I know? But James Reimer's better than Anton Forsberg, right? Who's Anton Forsberg? Come on. Anyway, since we're on the Blackhawks, Artem Anisimov is on the IR as well. Ryan Hartman took his place on the Kane and Schmaltz line on Sunday. It looks like he's going to stick with that unit tomorrow. Ryan Hartman's another guy who's burned me in the couple, by the way. I remember I streamed him in for him doing nothing, and then I dropped him in an early matchup this season, and then my opponent picked him up, and then he got like a goal assist. It really drove me crazy, so I don't like him either. And these Blackhawks. Anyways, Hartman, yeah, do you recommend him at this point now that he's back on this line? Like, definitely Nick Schmaltz, by the way, if he's available. I'm very into him. He seems to be a fixture on the Kane line at this point and on the top power play. He had three assists in Edmonton on Friday, and he had one goal the game before that. So I feel like for sure you're going to say grab Schmaltz. We would have said that regardless of what happened with Artem Anisimov. But Ryan Hartman, are you into him playing with Patrick Kane? Going into the season, we would have said take anyone playing with Patrick Kane. Doesn't seem like that's as obvious at this point in the season. Yeah, no one has consistently produced next to Patrick Kane the way we would hope they would. Hartman, you know, he's still been okay if you're looking in a deep league to stream someone in for shots and maybe a point but has not been reliable enough. And he's still not that reliable. Like if you want to make a speculative ad, so you have him, if he does suddenly become the one who clicks with Patrick Kane night in, night out with Chicago, sure, go for it. Uh, maybe I'm a little more open-minded to Hartman than you are, Elon, but I'm still not jumping or screaming from the rooftops for everybody to go get him. 
Yeah, that's fair. So here's a fun one, Brian, though. Who would you prefer between Nick Schmaltz and Brandon Saad? Saad had a nice one-goal, one-assist game in Calgary on Sunday, but overall, he's been a half-point-per-game player this season. He only has 19 points in 38 games. It's been such a disappointment. Compare that to Nick Schmaltz, who has 23 points in fewer games, in 34 games, and that's compared to 19 points in 38 for Brandon Saad. Like, and plus, Schmaltz is playing with Patrick Kane, producing i kind of feel like there's you have to take schmaltz over sod right as crazy as that sounds does it sound crazy based on their numbers so far this year i don't think it's that crazy here is the crazy part though brandon sod is actually posting the best shot and shot attempt rates of his career and the best on ice expected goals for and individual expected goals for for 62 but he's seeing the lowest on ice shooting percentage of his career, along with the second lowest personal shooting percentage and the lowest IPP percentage. So a really, really frustrating year for him. Not sure that Snake Bitten even really describes it. We rarely see a player posting the best numbers in like the, the measures that we actually trust to indicate offensive ability at the same time that they're posting career low numbers in those variance numbers that can take away from the things that you're doing right on the ice. I, Brandon Saad, even on top of that, is even seeing a greater share of his team's power play time than any of the last few years, too. So it's it's just really unfortunate. He's been doing a fine job of holding the shot attempt share for it with Taves and either Panic or Debrinkit as the third piece, but the points just are not coming for Brandon Saad. He routinely faces other teams' top forwards, which, of course, doesn't help, but deserves a little better than he's gotten so far. That said... Brandon Saad? Yeah, he's snoozing. I would prefer Schmaltz since he's hotter today, but if you're making a move with the long term in mind, I make no guarantees that Schmaltz will be hotter tomorrow. I could see them being about the same the rest of the way. Yeah, that's why I come to you, Brian. Like everyone can see that Saad isn't getting points, but if you're saying that he's doing all this stuff, you know, underlying the the points, like getting all these shots and shot attempts, maybe it's just bad luck and he's going to start putting up some points soon. So now maybe I'm feeling a little better about Brandon Saad after hearing that. You know, he's not the kind of guy that you could just drop for Nick Schmaltz because like Schmaltz is hotter because Saad will probably get added by someone just because of his name and then you won't be able to get him back. So it's kind of like if you want to drop Saad, you have to let go of him for the year. So it sounds to me like you're saying maybe hold on a little bit longer, see if you can get a little bit of luck. You can correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, last question on Chicago. Who is Jordan Osterley? Looks like he's on the top D pairing and getting second unit power play time. I hadn't heard of this guy. He has three points and 13 shots in his last three games. So tons of shots, like getting some points lately, getting good minutes. He also had seven blocks a couple of games ago, but not many blocks otherwise. So don't look at him for blocks probably. But like, who is this guy? Is he someone that people should be looking at offensively? You said you dropped Brent Seabook recently. Is, is, that, is that because Jordan Osterley has taken his spot on the depth chart? Jordan Osterley has gone from 25 career games dating back to 2014 to playing 25 minutes the last two nights alongside Duncan Keith, the undrafted 25-year-old team here uh, out of Dearborn Heights, Michigan. He had been reasonably effective in the minors, but hadn't made much of a mark in the last few years, which he spent with the Oilers organization. He's just one of the Motley crew assembled to be role players on that Chicago blue line. Like how many of these guys could you name before the season started Forsling, Franson we knew, but did we know he was going to play this year? Ruta, Connor Murphy, Jordan Osterley. And Osterley is doing a good job of doing what he's been brought in to do, which is play big minutes and also please no big catastrophic mess ups. So he may be good in deep leagues to add some peripheral clout to your numbers if he continues playing 24, 25 minutes a night on the top pairing. So it's Osterley, not Osterley. Okay. Well, that's what the pronunciation guide said, but it also had the Swedish pronunciation for Nemet. Nemet. 
<laughs> Patrick N. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Patrick yeah. N. Keep your eye on him. Add him to your watch list. Jordan Osterley. Let's see what he can do over the next few games. Michael Froelich is another guy who's injured. Let's go to Calgary. He's week to week with a broken jaw. And that means that Yarmir Yager is back in the top six. He took Froelich's spot on line two with Backlund and Kachuk on Sunday versus Chicago. He had no points, though, just like in his previous six games where he had no points and no power play time. So I feel like at this point, Yager, like, I'd love for you to say it's time to at least watch list him and see how he does on line two, though. I have a feeling you're going to say he's probably done being fantasy relevant, right? He's pretty fantasy irrelevant. I don't think, like, you can watch him because it's fun to watch Yarmir Yager. It's fun to have him if he gets a couple points because, like, there's some extra like hipster clout if he is the one getting the points for your fantasy team but i'm not rushing to make any sort of move for him yeah it's not as if michael froelich was doing so much on this second line so even if yager does the same as froelich that's still probably not relevant the bigger news on calgary is they've finally shaken up their top power play it feels like it's been forever but okay goodbye furland goodbye brody Goodbye, Jankowski or Brower or whoever was getting up there. They finally have a top power play unit that their fans can be proud of. They've got Goodrow, Monahan, Backlund, Kachuk, Giordano. Mwah! That's a top power play. Huge for those last three who get on it. Backlund has one goal and, or sorry, he had one goal and a power play assist on Sunday. He also had a power play assist a couple of games before that. He's always been really good on the team, like getting a lot of even strength points and even getting points on the second power play unit. So I love that he's on the top unit. He might be available in your leagues. Take a look at free agency and see if Mikhail Backlund is available. Then you have Matthew Kachuk at two power play goals on Sunday. He has four points in his last four games, all on the power play. He's loving it there. You got Mark Giordano, who if you drafted him it was probably for his peripherals it seemed like his offense was behind him but now he's on the top power play he's probably going to be getting more points he has two power play points in his last three games i feel like all three of these guys should be owned in most formats while on this unit do you concur yeah i do and such a sensible first unit which is really exciting after seeing well you mentioned some of the names that have been on it in the past so own them all why not why not? Get them all. The one person you don't need to own is TJ Brody. He's a complete snoozer right now. I feel like he was like the only thing he had was like, eh, but he is on the top power play. He's not getting many points, but he's on the top power play. Not anymore. Definitely drop Brody, I would say. Probably even Michael Furland. He's still on line one with Goudreau and Monaghan, which is good. It's like a Vermette situation, but he's definitely a lot less interesting than he was before when he was both on the top line and top power play. He was already slowing down, but I was like, you know, being... Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, but he's on the top power play. He's probably still going to be a good bet to get a point in any game that you stream him in. Now, not so sure. Brian, that's it for my injuries and outries. Now I've got a bunch of hot and cold streaks and some line combos. Ready for like a bit of a lightning round? Yeah, but I wanted to just chime in that both Brody and Furland needed that power play spot to maintain relevance during their snoozy times. And that spot is gone now. So they're, they're both snoozing. But this was all just a lead up to me being able to say hashtag Bye for Alicia. For Alicia, like Furland. That's good. Yeah. Let's get that trending. Bye for Alicia. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yes, this lightning round, even though you told me before the show that you didn't like my lightning round, you think that it's not lightning enough for you because I have a lot of hard questions in it. But <laughs> well, it's, it's the same questions as the rest of the show. You're just like, oh, I've already asked Brian so much. I just want to ask him these 15 other things. <laughs> Okay, but the, for me, like, when it's lightning round, like, I'm not going to go, like, once I name the player, I'm not going to go over their whole team and, like, discuss all of the line mates and the goalies. I'm just like, Okay, I'm, so, so you're going to go less in depth from your side, but expect the same depth from me. Hey, take your, you know, do what you got to do, man. Just give us a one-word answer for each question if you really want. It's your, it's your reputation on the line as the <laughs> ad drop ace and the maestro of the matchup oh and gosh. the player projection pundit and the fantasy hockey robot. Okay, 
Henrik Zetterberg has two goals and nine assists in his last nine games after a horrible start. He seems to be a must-own in pretty much all formats. Again, just like last year. He seems to be as good as last year. Brian, I recall at one point you messaged me saying he was dropped in your Tier 1 division in the Cupful. Uh, I assume you didn't add him, or else you'd be bragging to me about what a great ad you made. Are you regretting not adding him, or do you think he's going to slow down again? I am kind of regretting not adding him, though. I feel like I just didn't have room at the time. I would feel worse if I were the one who had dropped him. That wasn't me. So uh, so I can at least have that to fall back on. He seems very much worth owning, though. Yeah. Okay, and then Anthony Mantha has been out with a groin injury. He might be back tomorrow, though. But Tyler Batuzzi was called up, and he's been playing on the Zetterberg line. Mantha should be back tomorrow, so I'm not sure how th- that will shake out and what will happen to the Lions. But let's point out, Tyler Bertuzzi, two assists yesterday versus Pittsburgh, three assists in five games overall. I'm saying yesterday. I guess it was Sunday. But anyways, yeah, Bertuzzi's been good recently. And like I said, he's on a line with Zetterberg, who's doing really well. So do you think he can stay on this line? And is he worth a flyer? Like, who's Tyler Bertuzzi? Is he related to Todd Bertuzzi? I'm going to guess he's related to Todd Bertuzzi. And then maybe you could also answer, like, who do you like between Bertuzzi or someone like Gustav Nyquist, who's also on that line and on the top power play and has three points in his last two games. But it's also like Gustav Nyquist. Like, we already, he's so boring to add. You know, he's like, you know, he's not going to blow you away. He's going to go on cold streaks. This Tyler Bertuzzi, this is a, it's an exciting name and it's someone new. Tyler Bertuzzi is the nephew of Todd Bertuzzi and the cousin of somebody named Tag Bertuzzi, which is really so close to Tage who uh, Tage Thompson over in St. Louis. Anyway, you're asking me what? What do I think of him? I, I only I only caught the is he related part. Okay, is he good? Should we're, people we're like, add him? What do you think yeah, I'm asking I mean, you? <laughs> he's He's been pretty good in the AHL. 14 points in 16 games so far. Last year in Grand Rapids, he had 37 points in 48 games. Second round pick, 58th overall in, in the 2013 NHL entry draft. I, I don't know. It seems like, honestly... Anyone on Detroit could or could not be worth your while. Gustav Nyquist and Henrik Zetterberg are probably the two guys who you are interested in for like most of the season. Dylan Larkin, I'll throw in there. He somehow has 32 points this year. Anthony Mantha is injured, which you just mentioned, so I'm excluding him from the list. Thomas Tatar comes and goes as he pleases. It's like, hey, he seems like a good stream because he's getting some shots and a point here and there, and then you stream him and he does nothing. Um, this is not not at all related to my own very personal experience with him over the last couple of weeks. So uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, sure. Why not? He could be like any of the other Red Wings. Okay. So you're saying you would probably take Nyquist ahead of him. And yeah. then guys like Mantha, if they haven't dropped, maybe even take him. But someone to watch. Tyler Bertuzzi, a new name. Okay. Clayton Keller is hot again, currently riding an eight-game point streak. What's with this guy? He either gets a point every game or he's on a long, pointless drought doing nothing. Like, why can't he just be a little more consistent? But anyways... Now that he's on this hot streak again, the big question is, is it sell high time again? Like anyone who had him during his amazing run to start the year was probably kicking themselves. They didn't trade him for someone good when he was completely scoreless. And we called him a snoozer and said, you might as well drop him. Now he's like just as hot as he was before. Do you think he can keep it going this time? Or do you think this is like the peak of his value and we're going to see another trough very soon? Well, if you can sell him as a point per game player, then absolutely go ahead and do that. The good news for him is that All the points in this run have been primary points. So good for him. He's got three goals and a bunch of assists as part of that. And uh, just checking out his shot counts right now. And they've been pretty healthy. He's got 23 since this run started. So that's uh, almost three per game. He's had a four-shot game, five-shot, six-shot game. If he's been back in free agency and you've got a spot to stream him in, go for it. But 
get a sense of what you're getting. You can't necessarily depend on this to last all year. But as we saw at the start of the season, maybe it could last like a few weeks. We'll see. We're still getting to know this guy. Yeah, like obviously just because it happened before doesn't mean it'll happen again. Maybe now he'll be great. I wouldn't expect him to get points every single game again. Obviously, the Arizona team is a little bit shallow and he doesn't have the best line mates to play with. But right now he's hot. Obviously, he should be owned. And I don't know. I'd be I'd, If you have him, I'd be like shopping around and seeing what type of big names you could get for him while he's on this great hot run. Okay, Thomas Vanek had two goals and three assists back on Thursday versus Chicago playing on the Besser Gagne line. And he also had a hat trick plus an assist in a game the week before. So that's now five goals and five assists in his last five games for Thomas Vanek. 10 points in his last five games buoyed by these two huge multi-point games. He was quiet for a stretch before that, but had a nice run earlier in the season. So it strikes me that maybe Thomas Vanek is like a streaky guy and he goes on runs and then goes cold, but clearly he's capable of giving you those big, like weak winning games. So it, he might be worth an ad. I'm going to throw it out there. Like while he's hot right now, he's doing well. He's playing with Brock Besser, who is amazing. He's got 38 points in 36 games over a point per game. I feel like he's the type of guy at this point that you want whoever's playing with him and maybe not Sam Gagne though, but at least Thomas Vanek, if he's still available in free agency, he interests me right now. Not as a long-term thing, but while he's hot, like he's really hot. I think I read in a Dauber Hockey Ramblings, I think that's where it was, that Thomas Vanek is streakier than a poorly washed window. And I very much agree. It's great to have him while he's playing with Besser and while he's hot. Don't be shy to drop him as he gets cold, though. Elon, what was the crazy... There was a crazy trade proposal in our Facebook group that someone mentioned. Was it Vonick for Carlson? Yeah, but it was... Yeah, it was like someone got offered Vonick for Carlson and they thought it was so insulting, which And, it, the, guy, which and the guy was trying to back it up and be like, no, but like, look at how well he's doing right now. Like, you're not going to get him at this price in a week. Okay, so if you have Vonick, I do agree that it's a good time to try to trade him. You might be insulting the owners if you're trying to trade for Carlson, but, you know, go a little lower. Go for, uh, I don't know, Duncan Keith? I don't know, I'm just throwing a name out there. Anyway, uh, let's go to another great uh, you hot seat. You need to say throwing a name out there again. Just... Duncan Keith? I don't know. Just throwing a name out there. Okay, next hot streak. James Reimer is on fire for the Panthers. I mentioned him earlier in the show. He's on a five-game win streak. Uh, I'm not sure what's happened today. But before today, 932 save percentage over the past month. That's 13 games. He's been great for a long time now. Definitely needs to be added if he's somehow still in free agency, I assume. Right? Like, <laughs> he's, he's clearly look also kind of streaky. He could go cold. But when he's hot, he's really good. Yeah, for sure. James Reimer on a huge roll. Seven consecutive quality starts playing above 930, posting above a 930 save percentage in six of those starts, 952 over the whole stretch, two shutouts as well, only two times where he's allowed more than two goals. So yeah, that's pretty good, I guess. A crazy run for James Reimer, which unfortunately has taken uh, has hit a speed bump at the very least, as James Reimer has been, just like minutes ago, left the game, sort of a, a split in head situation is what I'm getting off of Twitter. And he had started all 12 games since Roberto Luongo got injured. Harry Sateri had not seen a minute of action. Now he is the number one goalie, at least until we get more of a status from James Reimer. Oh, dear. That's terrible. Okay, so, yeah. Well, if people are listening to this tomorrow morning, as I'm sure a lot of people will, in their commute to work or however they listen to the show, should they rush and grab Harry Sateri? Like, Reimer's on a five-game win streak. That means Florida's on a five-game win streak, which means Florida's doing really well right now. Florida's been doing really well on the back of these James Reimer performances. Like, of course, they're doing well when their goalie is playing as well as as I just described his numbers were. 
I don't know that Harry Sateri can do that for him. Maybe they'll need to score more goals, which could be good news for someone like Evgeny Dadanov, who has not had a chance or, well, has not taken advantage of the chances he's been getting to make an impact since returning from injury. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we'll have to look further. Definitely consider adding Harry Sateri now. I, I can't believe Reimer's injured. That's terrible. Okay, uh, yeah, Dadanov, he's been brutal since coming back from injury. He only has three assists in eight games. Uh, he was on the top power play, but he wasn't getting back on the top line. I'm seeing just in the chat room here, David just posted Dadnov back with Barkov and Huberdo. So live breaking news. If that's the case, if Dadnov's back on line one power play one, then I think now's the time to go and grab him back if someone dropped him into free agency. That's where I expect him to produce. That's a great line in power play to be on. So if you've been frustrated with Dadanov, check to see if he's back on top line, top power play. Definitely I'd hold on and see what he can do now that he's back in the good spot. In a similar situation, someone like Kyle Palmieri, who returned from injury but couldn't bump Jesper Bratt from the hall in his sheer line. He still hasn't, as far as I know. Palmieri is now pointless in three straight games, not shooting much. I was going to ask you, Brian, who's going to get on the first line first between Dadanov and Palmieri as two guys who are both on their team's top power plays and were on the top line before getting injured. I guess the answer is Dadanov at this point. What are your thoughts on Palmieri? He might have been dropped or people are considering maybe dropping him in shadow leagues uh, on this cold run. But are you confident he'll get back on the top line at some point? I mean, it's not so cold. It's bad that he's off the top line, but he still does have three points in six games since coming back from injury. And a couple of those games he saw under 14 minutes of ice time. So I don't think it's you can get too down on him. Of course, he was cold going into leaving from injury. So if you go back even further, which I don't like to do and bridge the pre and post injury numbers, it looks worse. Uh, There's still some upside from him though. I think you try and hang on. If there is someone like a Kala Yarncroc out there though, that might be a move I make if I think that I'll be quick enough to grab Palmieri back because remember he did start the year with nine points in his first 10 games. Yeah, I actually, I wouldn't drop Palmieri for Cali Yarncock. Palmieri did get like close to 60 points last year. I think it was like 55, 58 points, something like that. But it is concerning that he's slow. But like you say, it's it's a short stretch. I wanted to bring him up. He and Dadanov seem similar to me. So now that Dadanov's back on line one, maybe the New Jersey coach will be like, oh, that's a good idea. What is it, Scott Ste- no, not Scott Stevens. Oh, it's the guy who's on the back of my jersey, Phil Housley, right? No, he's Buffalo. Who's the New Jersey coach? It's a player, right? Stephen Hines? John oh. Hines. John Hines. Oh, why did I think it was a player? Oh, well. Well, there's I'm John down. Stevens. John Stevens. Okay. And, and Scott Stevens was on the coaching staff. He might still be. Okay. Uh, okay, I wanted to bring up Cam Ward next. A lot of stuff that I have planned are kind of like getting blown up right before I bring them up. So Cam Ward seems to have taken over the number one job in Carolina. I say that as I see that he let in five goals today against Washington, or maybe it's still an overtime. I don't know. Someone's saying in the chat room that OV won the game. So anyways, not a great game for Cam Ward today, though it was against the Washington Capitals. So maybe, you know, people need to cut him some slack. That's a high scoring team. They're the Caps, even though they do have Chandler Stevenson and Devon smith Pelly on line one. But still, yeah, not a great game for Ward. I'm seeing he led in four goals, maybe even five on 21 shots. So just a terrible game. But before that, he's been great. Going into today, he was riding a six-game win streak. He had a 925 save percentage over the past month. And Cam Ward played four games in a row before Scott Darling played the second half of a back-to-back on Saturday. And Darling lost 3-2 to St. Louis and three goals on 29 shots. So not a great game for him. I know you hate to say it, Brian, and maybe after today you'll have reason to delay saying it a little longer. But it seems to me like Cam Ward is the number one goalie now on Carolina, and they're considering Darling as their backup. Maybe it's more of a 1A, 1B situation riding the hot hand. But at this point, Darling's definitely not the undisputed number one. That's for sure, because Ward's been getting all the starts lately, and Cam Ward has been good. But he is Cam Ward, and he did just have a bad game today. So, Brian, do you think that's it? 
and Ken Ward is done? Or do you think people should still be rushing to grab Ken Ward because of his great month he's been having? No, I don't think you should be rushing. Like maybe if you need a goalie and you need starts, sure, go ahead and take that gamble. It seems like he is now in a tandem E sort sort of situation where Darling is going to have to seal back the starts that we thought he was going to get all season long. But of course, like we've said, the longer you let Kem Ward ride in the chariot, the sooner it is that it turns back into a pumpkin or something like that. Am I mixing metaphors? Uh-huh. In any case, don't, uh, I don't think I was for the record. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is Kem Ward remains Kem Ward, Elon, as you just said. That's, that's our Kem Ward analysis. Okay, but at the same time, I mean, if you're in a league where just getting starts, and Carolina's a good team also, like, I feel like you're you're being too, like, yeah, Cam Ward can't be relied on to, like, you know, give you sterling numbers, but Carolina seems to be on a good team. Like I said, he was on, like, a big winning, a six-game win streak. Yeah. Like, that's good. Yeah. The thing is that Carolina is probably a pretty good hockey team. They just have not gotten goaltending. Well, even last year, they didn't get it either, and I just don't know who is going to be the one who gives it to them. Cam Ward has had plenty of chances to prove himself worthy over the last several years. He hasn't. I don't know. Why am I getting into this again? Whoever starts for Carolina is in a decent position to get a win if they can play average. We just haven't seen either of these two guys show that they can do that for a sustained amount of time. Okay, and then... For the Scott Darling owners out there, if there are any left, there was that game where they got destroyed by Toronto and all of our patrons like, can I please drop Darling now? Feels like people can let go of Darling. Like, I know now maybe Darling will get the next game and who knows what could happen, but he, he doesn't seem to be that good. I'm sorry. Like, he had good backup numbers in Chicago, but I feel like we've said this a bunch of times. He hasn't been able to be consistently good as a starter now on Carolina. Cam Ward took the job. So regardless of what you think of Cam Ward, is like, Darling, I feel like if there's any like starting goalie available in free agency. Like if you have Halak there, who's been getting starts or Varlamov or like, you know, someone like uh, Reimer, I was going to say, even though now he's injured. Anyways, I feel like I wouldn't want Darling. Like I feel like most people can drop him. I feel like you've been the one person sort of saying that people should still hang on and hope for better. But I feel like it's really hard for people to hold on to him when he's barely even playing. And when he does play, he sucks. Yeah, I think my advice to hold Darling has mostly been limited to leagues where he would become the only starter or starter potential goalie to enter free agency i did drop him i i added anton forsberg and then was very mad when jeff class got the next two starts but i've now dropped scott darling in that league it was a limited moves league which is another situation where i feel like you sort of are stuck with him for better or for worse but uh even in those sorts of leagues now it's getting close to the time although now that Kem ward has had a bad start we'll see where the hurricanes turn for their next game and if that's darling and if he has a good game he's back on everybody's radar yeah, but that might be a big if. Don't turn this into an Eddie Lack situation where you're just like, no, just once he gets his next game, he's going to be good, I promise. Yeah, all, right. all we need is for Cam Ward to fail and then Eddie Lack is going to step in and prove himself to be the deserving number one goalie. That didn't happen. I know. No. Yeah, then, then Darling might be the same. We'll have to, we'll wait and see, but it's not looking good for Darling. Okay, a couple more before we Hang end on. the show. Can, before, you, before you continue with these, can I make a proposal? Because I'm really like, all I have to do for your next three guys is not in my head. How about you name a guy? I name a guy. We nod our heads at each other. We say good and we keep going. Okay. That's the lightning round for me. All right. So I'm talking about some interesting line combinations right now. Sam Reinhardt was on line one and the top power play with the Sabres and Jack Eichel. So, you know, playing with Jack Eichel is good. Sam Reinhardt's always been a guy for me where like, I'm like, "Eh, I kind of am interested in him. If he's on top line, top power play, he's there right now. He had a power play goal yesterday in the winter classic. Uh, It's been useless 
before that he had a long pointless streak but do you think he's worth a flyer now or at least or oh sorry we're doing lightning round rules i think he might be worth a flyer now while he's on line one with eichel and gergensen's interesting like gergensen's there as well so if you're in a really deep league you could also consider him but i definitely like reinhardt on the top line and the top power play nod or no nod that's a nod that's a okay. nod for sure but like you know right like you asked me the question and you could answer it uh, like he still is kind of garbage. Like he has been in this position several times for like lengths of time over the last couple of years and hasn't done anything with it. So no, I'm not like tripping over myself to add him to my lineup because suddenly he's got this great deployment. But Hey, if you're looking to stream a player in as you did successfully Elon last week, then, uh, then he's in consideration in deeper leagues. How about Elon Eric Haula, who has 26 points in 33 games this year, but what you might not realize is that he has 12 points in his last 11 in which he's taken 33 shots on goal. So six of them have gone in. That's a little high. But he is doing fantastic on the season. A lot of these guys have like 25, 26, 27 points in a mid-30s amount of games like Danton Heinen too. I, we've named at least one or two others on the show tonight who are just doing it so low-key this year. Um, so Elon, would you prefer him to Sam Reinhardt? Howla? Yeah, I thought Obviously. that. Yeah, I mean, you're the one who never wants to recommend Vegas guys. I want any of these Vegas. No, guys. I love. Don't you know I love Vegas? <laughs> They're awesome. Shout out to at Real Kid Poker Daniel Negrano who tweeted at us. He's a famous poker player. It was very exciting. He tweeted at us. Fortunately, it was less exciting because he was tweeting at us throwing shade for how we're not giving <laughs> Vegas enough credit. It's totally Brian's fault. I try to bring them up every week, and Brian shoots me down. Daniel, hey, I, I'm with I, you. I, I have I have definitely become more open-minded to it. Like at the beginning of the season, I will cop to being like this team getting lucky. No way. I, there's definitely something there, and it's very exciting the amount of, of of times that they're able to convert on their scoring tens. We had a we had a nice Twitter thread going. I don't know if you can just search the two handles and find the thread. I'm not going to recap the whole thing now. But uh, my conclusion is that uh, Eric Halda is doing really well these days. Yeah, and so is Vegas. Good for Vegas. Great team. Great city. Uh- <laughs> great for you to come around on the Vegas guys now that they're all owned by other people <laughs> and none of them are available to add. Okay. Uh, I'll throw out Travis Konechny, who's been playing on line one in Philly with Giroux and Couturier, and he had an assist against Florida and two assists against Tampa Bay. So that's three assists in his last two games before today. I don't know how he did today, but that's obviously a great spot. Bad news for Wayne Simmons, who was on that top line. We were excited to be like, oh, finally, Wayne Simmons in a good spot so he could break out of his slump. Now he's back playing with Nolan Patrick and Jordan Wheel, which isn't great. Good thing he's still on the top power play. Simmons has been getting some power play points. He had two power play points on Friday, but he hasn't had an even strength point in his last four games. So I would definitely be concerned as a Simmons owner. Not sure what you could do about it, but Travis Konechny might be a good daily fantasy player or a flyer for as long as he's on that top line. Is that going to be the new like flyer, like daily fantasy guy? Yeah, well, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like, especially with these wonky weeks coming up in terms of the schedule, it's hard to recommend people long-term. Like, I don't know. We have to check and see how many games Philly's even playing. If they're playing one game next week, I'm not going to say to, like, hold Travis Konechny all throughout. Well, here's someone on a team I can recommend who's on one of those nine teams playing three or more games next week. Leon Dreisaitl has been on a tear lately. If he's available, then you're, I don't know why I'm being like so tongue in cheek about this. It's just we, we need to give him credit for what he's been doing after having like a not so great time, especially not scoring on the power play at all. Um, he still hasn't done a whole lot of that lately. Just one power play point in his last seven games, but he's managed nine other points to give him two goals and eight assists for 10 points, 22 shots. So another guy who's getting more than three shots and more than a point per game. 
Okay, breaking news. Leon Dreisaitl is good. Though it's cool to see him getting so many points on, like, not a great line. Like, who did I say he was playing with? Kajula and... I don't even remember someone. Yeah, well, so you're right. I'm burying the lead here, which is that he's doing this while not playing with McDavid and while not scoring on the power play. So I, it, it's not like a fantasy, like this guy's even more relevant than before. It's like he's he's Brandon Sodding, uh, is like what Sod was able to do last year, scoring so much, so many points at even strength without doing all, without getting a chance to produce on the power play. You're gonna really like my next guy though. So you first, and then uh, then then back to me. Oh, is it going to be some like really old player that everyone's forgotten about? I'm like, no, he's going to be good now. Okay, I'm excited. But I'll go first. Matthias Janmark is on a hot run in Dallas with two goals and two assists in his last three games. And it looks like he's on a pretty solid looking line too for however long it'll last uh, with Spezza and Radulov. They brought Devin Shore back to the top line. They love Devin Shore over there, even though he does nothing. But Janmark on a hot run, playing with Radulov and Spezza, could do worse. Yeah, it's nice that Spezza also has someone to play with in Radulov. And uh, Janmark is... Like, he's shown himself reasonably okay at being a, a middle sixer. If not, well, top sixer would imply that he's a top-line player. I'm not sure about that. However, uh, great to see him, Spezza, and Radulov together, and knowing that all three have somebody that they can score with alongside them. So, yeah, he's good. He's a good deep cut. Elon, how about this for a deep cut? This guy is almost certainly available in your league, and he has three goals and five assists for eight points in his last 11 games. 28 shots in that span, so almost like two and a half shots per game. His first name is Kyle. His second name is Ocposo. Coming back on the fantasy radar, he has two power play assists also in that span. He was scoring like all of a sudden he had a point every other game, and now he's on a three-game point streak. So if you're looking to add someone who you're hoping might be able to sustain some production for more than a few games in a row. Uh, you could hope that Kyle Lockposo's back. I'm not sure that that's exactly the case, but you could at least ride him and see for as long as this lasts. Okay, like I'm surprised why you think I'll be like, yeah, yeah, Kyle Lockposo's at the top of my watch lists in like all of my leagues. He's <laughs> been right. dropped in all of them and he's on a line with Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly. So he's on a good line. He's on the top power play with Eichel and O'Reilly and Reinhardt for sure. Yeah, if, I mean, I would take Ocposo over Sam Reinhardt so there you go. I just said that I maybe like Reinhardt as a flyer. Sure, yeah, grab Ocposo. I'm with you, Brian. Kyle Ocposo or Kali Yarncroc? Uh, Kali Yarncroc. Kyle Ocposo or Zach Parisi? Oh, Zach Parisi. All right. Yeah, All right. I, I mean, like, both of those are very reasonable takes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Brian, that's, that's it. Let's end it. This has been a mega awesome fun show catching up on these last couple of weeks. Sorry to everyone who missed their keeping Carlson fix. We had someone tweeted us, I think, that said that he lost his first matchup of the year in the week that we didn't have an episode and he blames us. So apologies for that. But we plan on going every week moving forward for the rest of the season. We'll be here to help you into your fantasy playoffs and hopefully towards a championship. So thanks to everyone for listening. Obviously, like Happy New Year, all that jazz. If you want to help us out, you can give us a five-star review on iTunes we really appreciate that we got some really nice ones recently and you know we just want to say thank you to all of you who take the time I know it's like you know it's kind of like annoying you have to go to iTunes sign in write a whole nice thing yeah I know but we really appreciate it you can also just give five stars and not write a long comment but either way eh, it helps us out okay uh what else can I say uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. We've got our Patreon program. So if you like the show, if you want to support the show, you could buy Brian or I a beer every month. You'll buy one of us a cheap beer at a bar like before tax. If you're up <laughs> for doing us that solid, we're going to give you some nice perks. We're going to give you bonus content every week. I'm going to be doing an episode with Cam Robinson 
this week talking about the World Junior Championships and prospects. That's going to be really fun. That's going to be for the patrons. And we do our patron cast. Like we do- Hang on. Before yeah. you say, and we do our patron cast, aren't we going to release that like after 24 hours? Wasn't that the deal? Okay, yeah. Maybe you could even get that episode without uh, being a patron. But most of the bonus content we do is only for patrons. And you could get it extra early if you <laughs> sign up as a patron in the next couple of days. And also we have our patron-only Facebook group and a bunch of other perks. You can check it all out at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. I won't bug you any more about it. I promise, though. I have a feeling Brian will. Brian, why don't we cue that outro music? And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our wonderful, amazing, incredible patrons, including our newest ones, Dave G and Eric G. Thank you very much. We're happy to have you on board for our patron perks. It was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Corsica, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Natural Stat Trick, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Fantrax. Great job, as always, Brian. We're going to have a quick turnaround since today is Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're going to have a next episode for you next Sunday. So tune in, keepingcarlson.com slash live. You can join us every week, 8 p.m. on Sundays. And don't forget, we have our FanDuel contest coming up. Uh, well, I don't know when you're listening to this. It runs Thursday night, so sign up before 7 p.m. Thursday night, fanduel.com slash carl. That's K-A-R-L. Okay, good job, Brian. Bye, everyone. Until next time, keep on keeping Carlson. And by the way, one last quick thing: James Reimer's back. So everything we were saying about Harry Sateri, don't go, don't go grab Harry Sateri. Reimer's back in the game. Brian, you, you made people nervous for no reason. No, it wasn't for no reason. James Reimer was removed from the game, and then he came back to the game. Cool. Bye. <laughs>